Welcome to the Innovations in Anti-Aging Living Show with Dr. Ann Trong. Here's where we'll explore how to live your best life with stem cells. Listen in to hear key opinion leaders, mentors, motivators, and other guests discuss about stem cells innovations. Stem cells will redefine medicine. This show will lead you to slow down aging and thrive to live the life you've always wanted to live. Hosted by Dr. Ann Trong, the international best-selling author of Erectile Dysfunction Fix Using PRP to Treat ED. And she has been recognized as Entrepreneur of the Year. This podcast is sponsored by the Trong Rehabilitation Center. Visit Dr. Ann Trong at trongrehab.com. That's T-R-U-O-N-G rehab.com. Or call her today at 540-374-3164. That's 540-374-3164. Hello, I am so excited today to be talking with Dr. Jerry Malanga, who I'm interviewing right now. It's my first time attending the conference, but I have the next president of the IOF here, and I'm humble and privileged and grateful that he's able to be here to do this interview with me. Dr. Malanga is the founder and partner of New Jersey Sports Medicine and New Jersey Regenerative Institute in Cedar Knowles, New Jersey. Dr. Malanga is expertise in non-operative treatment of variety of orthopedic disorders, including neck, back, shoulder, knee, and other sports medicine uh, and musculoskeletal problems. His expertise is in EMG testing, which is testing of the nerve and uh, spine, and arthritic joints and muscle injury, but he also uses ultrasound uh, as well to guide his uh, injection. He is an author of many textbooks, including the book Whiplash and Scientific Evidence of Musculoskeletal Physical Examination and Musculoskeletal Ultrasound Injection Book, Atlas of Musculoskeletal Ultrasound Guided Injection Procedure, which is a book I use to quote and to do a lot of research when I wrote my book, Erectile Dysfunction Fix. And I was very grateful that he is able to sign that book for me. He is published in over 70 articles and 25 book chapters on various musculoskeletal uh, issue. He's lectured throughout the country and abroad on a variety of topics, including sports medicine, spine, and pain management. And he had been serving on multiple board positions uh, from 2012 onward. And he's now been recently named the chair of AMP Menard Regenerative Task Force. That is such an honor to be in that position. So today we're gonna do focus on who Dr. Malanga is and how, what's he like. And my focus is to get the man behind all the accolades and the name. Yeah. And so I like to start with, so can you tell us a little bit about, how, about yourself and how you got to be here? Um, well, it's great to be here and I appreciate the opportunity, And So thank you. And I, I think you are also a thought leader in this area and, um, and you're doing great work within your community and in your practice. So who am I? Um, well, I have a Catholic background where I was raised as a little boy through all sorts of Catholic grammar school, high school, and college. So I like to say that I have a lot of Catholic guilt in me, which means that I always uh, feel like I have to be honest and sincere with anyone that I interact with, and in particular with patients. I've also, in my life, suffered from a lot of different orthopedic conditions. So 
I've been exposed to what happens in the world of orthopedics, and I also always enjoyed sports, playing sports, watching sports. So I had this love of, you know, trying to see how I could help people of all kinds, especially athletic people. And so I did standard medical school, and then I did my residency in physical medicine rehabilitation, which was great because it exposed me to anatomy and biomechanics and how the body works and different ways that we can use different treatments, and also how we can work as a team with other team members, just like a sports team. And then I was lucky enough to do a fellowship in sports medicine at Mayo Clinic, and I stayed on there working with that team to really hone my skills and to find ways to develop a variety of uh, treatments to help people to avoid surgery. I always felt that there were too many surgeries and the surgeries that were being done are pretty invasive, have complications, and are sometimes difficult to overcome. And so that has been what I've dedicated my practice to for a couple of decades now. And over the past decade, this introduction of what's referred to as regenerative medicine, where we can use people's own tissues, their platelets, their uh, bone marrow, and even their adipose tissue to help facilitate healing and to, again, avoid big surgical interventions. So how did you get to be in New Jersey? Well, that's uh, my mom and dad are from Italy, and from Italy they got married and settled in Newark, New Jersey. And so that's where I first grew up, and then from there grew up in a, a really wonderful town called Montclair, New Jersey. So those are my roots. And after spending a few years in Minnesota, uh, my wife and I decided it was time to come back and to be closer to family and back home. And how long have you been there? In New Jersey? Yeah. Pretty much my whole life except for the four years that we spent in Minnesota. Wonderful. So what made you kind of uh, go into the field of the regenerative medicine with uh, the uh, thumbs down, the PRP? Yeah. So that was uh, probably back in 2009 when we first started delving into it. So as I was doing my research and studying of the treatments that we were offering patients, I started to realize that things like cortisone injections were actually not only not really indicated and not really helpful, but potentially harmful to uh, heal uh, various tissues like tendon problems, like tennis elbow problems. And so this PRP uh, study first came out in 2006 that looked at chronic tennis elbow, and then people started discussing this PRP, platelet-rich plasma treatment. And at first I said, mm, that's a little too hard to believe. But then we started trying it, studying it, collecting data, and it really was demonstrating great benefit. And then we started looking at it in different systems, in different areas of the body, uh, sharing our work with others around the country, publishing a little bit at a time, and really uh, finding the benefits, although the need to en- enhance the science was definitely there back then and even uh, currently. And then from there, the uh, extrapolating to other methods of enhancing healing, which included taking bone marrow from uh, the uh, back of the body, the pelvic area, uh, using that, and then over the past several years, taking adipose or fat tissue and using that to heal areas that um, have degeneration and pain and difficulties in uh, patients managing. So can you explain that someone that's not in the medical field what PRP is and what the bone marrow is and what the fat is. Okay, so those are all tissues that are in our body. Platelets are part of blood that actually are are well known to help with healing. So if you have a cut, the first thing that goes to that cut are platelets to try to stop the bleeding 
and then seal up the hole that's made by the cut and then eventually have that, that cut turn into something that's not even visible over time. So platelets on platelets are these factors that contain various growth factors that have been found to be extremely helpful to facilitate healing of tendons, healing of ligaments, and even helping with the pain within a knee joint as long as it's not too bad. So it involves taking your blood, a fairly large amount, and then spinning it down and getting a smaller amount that you direct under ultrasound to whatever you're trying to heal. Bone marrow or stem cells exist in a variety of areas in our body, but there's a large concentration in our bone marrow, and the biggest source is in the lower part of our lower hip and pelvic area. And so we learn techniques to harvest that and concentrate that and also deliver those in areas where you have cartilage damage, torn meniscus, torn rotator cuff, and using that tissue. And now we can harvest adipose by doing a little sort of mini liposuction to pull the raw fat out and then clean it and get rid of all the waste product and then injecting that into areas that are torn or have tissue breakdown. That's a good way to explaining it, and it sounds great. But for somebody that has an like a, a knee a meniscus tear uh, and arthritis, when do you decide to use PRP versus the bone marrow versus fat? Yeah, that's a great question. The answer to that is still being looked at. For me, I like to see what is the main driver of the pain and what we find on examination and what it looks like on an MRI or an X-ray and then try to find the simplest, least expensive, but most effective of those three. Uh, so some of it is nuances of understanding what those products are, understanding the pathophysiology of what the patient has, and then trying to deliver the best product that matches what the patient is complaining of and what their MRI or pathology is. So how do you find out whether the, where the pain initiator is. As we know, sometimes a meniscus tear can be asymptomatic or non-painful. Uh, and we know that some uh, people without meniscus tear have a lot of pain. So right. when you examine a patient, how do you determine which one is the pain that, that generates the pain and where to localize your treatment? So I've written a whole textbook on uh, musculoskeletal physical examination and understanding the evidence of the science. So a good physical examination you can do provocative maneuvers that would be more consistent with stressing the meniscus and other maneuvers where it's just maybe the joint or other structure. So if you carefully take a history and get a picture of oh this is isolated to just this inner part of my knee and it goes across not the whole knee and if you do maneuvers that reinforce that and if you have an MRI that shows it's just that area or somewhat isolated then you can say I think it's coming from the meniscus and maybe some associated wear of the cartilage and some inflammation related to that. Wow you know I, uh, I, uh, I have seen that book and yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm uh, ashamed to say I do, did not buy that book. <laughs> That's okay. I'll, I'll but I, I will buy for our uh, for a resident that rotate through at our office. So if you uh, were talking to a patient and you had to explain this, and if a patient come to you for knee pain, what would be your algorithm? Uh, you would you would determine. Like would they come in and you would give them some medication first or physical therapy? What what would what would be your approach? Yeah, so I don't use I try to be specific to what the individual patient. So I don't apply an algorithm that I would use in every patient. So I'd say 
So, but I've created a form that uh, is a two-page, two-sided forms with actually references if somebody wanted to go to find out where this information came from. And it's called my osteoarthritis treatment strategy form. And is that, that your or is that somebody you created yeah, that? I created that. We use it in our office. I've had some residents and fellows and students help me to get the references. And it basically starts with the simplest, easiest thing you could do and the cheapest which talks about diet and weight loss and exercise. Um, and then it talks about low inflammatory diet we talk about. We talk about the use of natural anti-inflammatories such as curcumin, such as omega-3s, and also the reference for that, not just because I heard it somewhere or because I thought it somewhere. There's a scientific reason for it. Uh, we go to physical therapy and the importance of that, the various role of maybe orthotics in somebody's feet to normalize their alignment, knee bracing, um, and then the various injections. And then there's only a very small section at the bottom that talks about all the fancy, ex somewhat expensive things. So if somebody has done all of those things, then I have to say, well, you've exhausted all the normal things that I would recommend, and here are some of the options that you have left short of needing surgery. Now, there are a group of people that when I look at everything, I do say to the patient, I think surgery is perhaps your best option. And I wouldn't, I don't think what I have will work. And I don't want to have you spend your money for something where, in my experience, the medical literature and our own collective data, it's not going to work. Um, and we try to be honest with all of the results of what we've experienced, what we've seen in our practice, what we've collected in data, and what the medical literature has shown with the various disorders that we treat. So what percentage of patients that you see that you would recommend uh, surgery versus go, uh, doing more of the, uh, the regenerative cell therapy? Well, it's certainly a lot less than if they saw a surgeon. Um, I, I would say probably 10 to 15%. I, I still feel like 90% of people that we see can benefit from a combination of the uh, pretty simple things and covered by insurance and um, not very expensive things and then a select group that might need the more advanced things that we can offer. Right, so what, what uh, the challenges uh, I've seen is that um, the, you know, the, the, the regenerative cell therapy, the stem cell PRP works great as an alternative surgery, but yet it's not covered by insurance at this point. And right. it's, uh, 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 it's uh, you know, it's, you know, it's quite expensive. So how would you, um, um, uh, you know, uh, talk to a patient regarding that? So I would say, yes, I understand it's not covered by insurance. I'm not sure when it, if it will ever be covered by insurance. When I look at many things that are covered by insurance, they're actually not good for you. So they're actually potentially harmful. Uh, what I do know in today's world of deductibles and copay is that even if you have something that is covered by insurance, by the time you go through your copays and deductibles, it probably will add up to no more than the procedures that we offer. Um, so we do need to provide evidence so that perhaps an insurance company might consider covering it, but people have to understand why insurance companies exist. They exist to end up with a profit. They're not really interested in improving health care, quite frankly. They take in premiums and then they pay them out and then they need to have a profit at the end of the day. So it's very difficult 
for innovative things to actually break through what is in existence in mainstream medicine and what insurances want to pay for. Well, that that's to lead me to the next point is that I, I just learned through this conference that uh, um, the co- the company uh, Meredith has, who has six thousand employees all over uh, the nation and probably international, and uh, they now cover uh, 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 PRP and stem cell therapy for all their employees, and they're probably one of the first to do this. So, what do you think it will take for uh, companies to start covering? Uh, these uh, uh, procedures? Well, I think that uh, company and their um, uh, decision to move into this area is driven by a very thoughtful CEO who had the treatment and greatly benefited from the treatment and was intrigued by what was going on and then did a little bit digging uh, on his own to realize that, man, there's a lot of orthopedic procedures that are being done and I'm not sure that they're in the best interest of my employees. Uh, including like knee replacements in very young people and all, all these other things. Um, and then they took some time to engage a, a, a group to do these regenerative procedures and now they're collecting data and now their data is showing that they're reducing costs by 80 percent. Um, hundreds of thousands of dollars of cost savings and as they get more of that data and as that CEO perhaps speaks to a CEO of another company because all companies are realizing that their cost for healthcare is going through the roof and they're not going to be able to sustain this increasing cost of paying for their employees health unless they think about doing things that are more innovative and more in the best interest of their of their employees uh, and so then things will start turning around recently uh, just last year um, Amazon uh, combined with J.P. Uh, Morgan Chase and uh, Berkshire Hathaway to create an entire new healthcare organization that they're going to offer for their employees. So you think that they're going to start uh, looking at covering um, PRP? I don't know. I don't know who sits in their leadership. I've actually put my name in to be part of an advisory group, to be part of their innovation uh, sort of uh, look at this area. Uh, I am hopeful, but I'm not sure who who has the loudest voice or the most uh, profound uh, input in their decision-making process. Wow, wow, that's awesome. And I hope that they, you get to be on uh, the board because uh, if they're smart, they, they will be yeah. looking at that. Yeah. But I, I hope that they, uh, hopefully one of them, one of the CEO has had uh, a biologic uh, treatment. Do you know if any of them uh, have I, one? I don't know. I, I'm not sure, but that would go a long way. I do know that a company like Amazon is a disruptor, an innovator of what they do. So they came into the space of uh, retail and totally disrupted that industry. Mm-hmm. So I do know that they're going to look at the current healthcare delivery um and they're going to look to disrupt it massively. They already own Whole Foods. I can see that company driving their employees to using uh, like health coupons to buy healthy foods, and that will help to reduce some of the simple things that drive inflammation and pain. They are, I think, partnering with a vitamin company and with a, a pharmacy company. They're going to be driven toward creating care, healthcare that's personalized to the patient. Just like when you go to Amazon now and you want to buy something, you're going to buy something that 
fits your needs, that's personalized to you, that's delivered right to your door, that you're going to provide a rating for, or you can look at other people's rating. And so there'll be internal like discussions that will rank and rate what healthcare delivery. And I'm pretty positive that this area that we're involved in, this orthobiologics, this regenerative treatment area, will rise up in their five-star rating. Wow, that's uh, amazing. I yeah. didn't know they were looking at that. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, uh, now, how will, you said you put your name through. Now, what is that? How does that process work? Well, it was interesting. They, they put out an email blast or somehow I looked at it and you apply through an independent sort of recruiting organization and you put your name in, you, you fill out like, you know, like you would an application for uh-huh. anything. And uh-huh. uh, I also sent them a letter explaining my rationale for wanting to be part of this kind of innovative uh, healthcare organization. So we'll have to see. Great. So I, what I was intrigued about, what you mentioned, uh, anti-inflammation and decreasing pain. What would be your recommendation for a patient uh, for preventative to decrease their their uh, inf- uh, inflammation and pain yeah. that they can kind of do on their own? Yeah. So I think that is becoming more and more recognized even in mainstream medicine that most of our degenerative conditions are related to uh, low-level systemic inflammation that are driven by a variety of different sources. So one source is our diet, high carbohydrate, lots of sugars. Uh, Another source is obesity, that the fat cells are also releasing things that are negative and, and, and causing inflammation and damaging our system. Uh, our food sources have problems and are resulting in things like a leaky gut and inflammation and thyroid dysfunction and, and adrenal uh, issues. Our exposure to Wi-Fi and all the electromagnetic field stuff, um, stress in our society, our lack of sleep, our low levels of vitamin D, those are all simple things that can be addressed with very low cost that are completely ignored by mainstream medicine, quite frankly. Okay, so if I were uh, a patient, how would I start? That sounds really good, but what do I do? What do I start first by, 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 doing, uh, by reducing my inflammation? Okay. First of all, you, knowledge is power, right? So if you never knew that before, then now you know something new that you can take action on. Then uh, losing weight can be difficult, but if you make a committed effort, knowing that you can do that with a combination of reducing your calories and reducing the things that also cause inflammation, like lots of carbs and lots of sugars. So make simple decisions that reduce that a little at a time. Make simple efforts to do some exercise, which also reduces inflammation in and of itself, but will also burn calories. Find out what your vitamin D level, talk to somebody about what's appropriate vitamin D replacement and get your vitamin D levels much higher than most lab values which would show just as you do in your practice i know mm-hmm. drive it to 60 you know not over 35. learn about these simple things like curcumin and omega-3s which are simple supplements that you can even add in a, in a drink or as a powder or just take a couple of tablets a few times a day that we know won't harm your body like the standard anti-inflammatories can do which all have black box warnings. They can cause stroke, heart attack, con- congestive heart failure, uh, gastrointestinal bleeding. So you don't really want to do that. Uh, so you have a lot within your own capabilities that will be very helpful t- for you to heal yourself if, if you make those simple efforts. Yeah, and I, I, I see that in my patient. We have a weight loss program. 
uh, in our practice and just, I mean, my patient would have uh, back, low back pain and knee pain and just losing 25 pounds, even though they're maybe 220 mm-hmm. or so, just 25 pounds, their pain get better. I, I don't do anything to treat their pain, their yeah. back or their knee, yeah. but by the simplistic uh, way of losing really 10% of their body weight, their pain get better. Yeah. How do you explain that? Well, they're definitely lo- uh, lowering their infl- inflammation burden, definitely. And then, you know, we talk about in my osteoarthritis treatment strategy form that it's well known biomechanically that for every pound that you lose, for every step you take, it's about two to five pounds of force. Uh, two and a half to three times force. So let's say you lose 10 pounds. For every step then, you reduce the force by 25 pounds of force. If you take a 1,000 steps a day, that's 25,000 pounds of force that you've taken off that knee. Pretty simple. I like the way you say that. Yep. That's like awesome. So 25,000 pounds of force yep. that you take off the, the knee by losing 10 pounds. Right. That's simple math. That's simple math and known biomechanics of how our joints get loaded. Wow, I'm going to have to quote that. Uh, I never thought about it that way. I thought about it as more a percentage of weight reduction uh, on the yeah, joint. Yeah, you know, listen, uh, losing weight is a very, you know, we need to make people conscious of it. But we also have to recognize that it's not so easy, right? So people need to have really strong strategies to do it, motivations to do it, maybe join groups to do it. And that's not the answer of everything because there's a lot of thin people who get back pain, who have shoulder pain, who have knee arthritis, right? We can look at our professional athletes. The number one reason why golfers don't uh, are out of the golf tour is because of back pain. So those guys are pretty thin and they're pretty fit. So it's not as simple as just losing weight. But doing that can have such an impactful thing and it's relatively simple. And you can do it yourself. You don't need a doctor to do it. It has zero side effects that are negative, right? They're all positive side effects. So how do you keep looking so so well? You you look fit, you take care of yourself. So we wanna know about what your what your routine is, what's your <laughs> hobby. Well, uh, you know, I've been through my journeys in terms of different things that have occurred to me health-wise that has made me to stop and pause and look at this. When I talk to patients, I also feel like I'm talking to myself. And if I don't listen to myself, why would a patient listen to me? So if a patient came to me and they looked at somebody who was really out of shape and who looked stressed and who wasn't kind and who smoked cigarettes and who drank a lot, I'm not sure why they would want to listen to any of that. So I realize it for myself selfishly that I have to do simple things. So I try to be pretty simple. I'm Italian, so I like to eat bread. I like pasta, but I realize that I need to do that in moderation. I've read about curcumin, so I take curcumin every day. I know about vitamin D, and through your encouragement, I supplement with vitamin D. I know about exercise. I'm not you know, my personality is not to be an exerciser, so I do have to force myself to do it. But I realize that that's what's necessary for me to be at my best. So that's what I try to do, simple things, combining things. I try to, try to do, do the same thing that you preach your patient to do. Yeah, yeah, I think you need to. Right. Yeah. So how many uh, biologic uh, procedure have you had? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> so I'm conservative when I recommend it to patients, and I'm also conservative for myself. So I think I've had maybe two or three. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have had 
I like to play basketball, although I've had a big operation on my knee that's prevented me from playing much. So several years back, I developed a pretty severe Achilles tendon problem that was keeping me off the court. So I had uh, a PRP injection and then also had an ultrasound uh, debridement or a breakup of some calcification. Of the tenex? The tenex Well, procedure? no, actually it was just an in-office needling uh -huh. with, a, with a needle that one of my partners did to break up a, a little bit of a spur that I had there. And I've had some stuff to try to help the healing after surgery on my knee. So uh, do you have approximately how many patients have you treated since you opened your practice in New Jersey? Oh, wow. That's probably many thousands. So um, to find out about a little bit more about you, what's your passion? What, what, what really moved you? I, I'm, I like being a critical thinker. I like being a problem solver. I, I, I see many patients who have been seen by three or four or maybe ten different doctors. So I like helping, I really like helping people. Um, I like um, enhancing people's capabilities of doing things. It's really exciting to have somebody tell me how wonderful they're doing, how much they're doing, how their lives have somewhat changed. Um, it's really why I think we all go into medicine, right? To, to be that healer. Um, so that is really um, a wonderful thing. Uh, I, I enjoy just being a positive influence on this earth, being a good husband, being a good father, being a good friend, being a good colleague. I'm always reading stuff because I want to get better and sharper, so that drives me. I'm a little bit of a nerd, I guess, <laughs> in trying to find all the different things that can make what I do for people uh, better. You must love to write because you publish a lot. Yeah, uh, I do enjoy it. Um, there was a high school, my freshman high school teacher who I have to go back and visit, kind of got me started on the proper way to write and language. I've been very lucky to be able to have residents and fellows and partners who help me get these projects kind of put together and written up and I can sort of be the thought leader and not have to do all of it. Um, so they've helped me to facilitate, and I've been lucky to get that to occur. So I've been really lucky and fortunate to be surrounded by really bright people. So uh, another question I want to ask you is, you know, we see the change in healthcare and how doctors now have to keep up and they're working a lot, and we're seeing more burnout in, uh, uh, with doctors. And I think the recent studies said at least 64% admit to being burned out uh, at least once a day. So what would be your advice to the doctors at this point? I think uh, pause, stop for a second, think back, think about why you first wanted to be a doctor, try to look at the work environment that you're in, um, try to avoid being stressed by feeling that you have to make a certain income, that you have to see a certain number of patients, Try to grab it all back for yourself and maybe use the mantra that less is best um, and get that really back, that good feeling about, you know, treating the individual patient and having time with them. And sometimes it means making hard decisions like I'm leaving this group, I'm getting out of this hospital practice, I'm not seeing 30 patients or 50 patients a day. I'm not going to make the same amount of income. I may need to get out of certain insurance plans because I can't keep up with this um, treadmill uh, pace that's um, not good for me and not good for my patients. That's well put there. I like the way how you say that. So what's your biggest challenge? 
I think it's uh, getting the message out to folks about this area and balancing that with trying to control the craziness that is going out in the world of the somewhat um, unthoughtful folks who are promising unbelievable results uh, using techniques that are not so good and using uh, the treatments that are not really value validated. So false advertising is, in essence, another challenge. So trying to let people know that there is this great benefit from this area and also controlling the craziness that's occurring at the same time. Right, so having said that, uh, can you kind of clarify about all this advertisement that we see about uh, uh, providers that are doing the amniotic tissue and and to educate our, our audience? Yeah, so there is a lot of hype, newspaper ads, uh, ads on the radio, ads on the internet, uh, free like uh, invited dinners and sessions, uh, preying upon mo many elderly people who have conditions that aren't improving with mainstream medical treatments and offering these unbelievable potential things of healing that aren't realistic. And so they're grabbing at people's emotions and the fact that they are suffering, and they're taking advantage of that. So I would urge people to go with somebody else that might be a little bit more thoughtful about what they're doing uh, and say, well, it doesn't sound right. And if it doesn't sound right, it's probably not right. And asking the person, whoever's presenting, uh, like, where's your research on this? Where's, do you have any evidence for this? Is there anything I can, you can show me that shows that you've collected that to demonstrate you can actually produce results that are 80 or 90% or 100% relief? That's not realistic. And when something's too good to be true, in life, it's often too good to be true. So if I were to look for a doctor that does um, these stem cells, what would, what would I be looking for? Well, look for somebody that has some level of credibility or credentials to be actually able to do these things. So somebody that's trained in fields like physical medicine rehabilitation or has a fellowship training in sports medicine or perhaps is an orthopedic surgeon that doesn't just dabble in it but has uh, demonstrated capabilities. Ask them, do they use ultrasound guidance? If they say, no, I don't need that uh, because I know I'm an orthopedic surgeon or, or whatever, I'm a sports medicine doctor, I know how to do that, be very doubtful of that because there is evidence that shows that even in the best hands, you miss putting it where you want if you don't use a level of guidance. Ask them how long they've been doing that and ask them how they decide what they do and see if they're a little bit more thoughtful than just offering you one thing over and over again. Well, wonderful. So you sound like the doctor I want to go to when uh, I have a, a knee condition I want biologic for. So how would how would uh, our audience get, uh, get in contact with you? And, and how did they get a, a hold of all, you know, your, your multitude of published uh, yeah. um, uh, materials? Well, with the Internet now, and I think the Internet is actually the great equalizer where you can get access to a lot of information, but you just have to be careful because it's unfiltered information. So you can Google my name and you'll see my name and what I've done in my publications. We have a, a nice website at NewJerseyRegenerativeInstitute.com. Um, my office um, in New Jersey, in Cedar Knolls, uh, you can contact us there, and speak to our staff, and sometimes if you have questions before you come in, 
I'd rather just talk to you about things if you're traveling from far away. Ultimately, I think the best way to, for me to help you is to, for you to come and to tell me your story and for me to examine you and to try to figure it out and then offer you all the different potential options, again, from the simplest, least costly to the uh, most advanced things and see what works best for you. In essence, I work for you. And in essence, every patient should look at their doctor and say, this doctor should be my partner in helping me to get better. Wow, well said. So for, for all that are listening, this is Dr. Jerry Malanga, M-A-L-A-N-G-A in Cedar Knoll, New Jersey. Yeah. And tell me about the website again. It's NewJerseyRegenerativeInstitute.com. Well, thank you. Thanks, Ann. This podcast is sponsored by the Trong Rehabilitation Center. Visit Dr. Ann Trong at TrongRehab.com. That's T-R-U-O-N-G Rehab.com. Or call her today at 540-374-3164. That's 540-374-3164.